This is episode 65. In this episode of All Hazards, the important relationships between government and the private sector. When disasters strike, local, state, and federal government respond to aid and assist those impacted communities. But government can't do it all by itself. That's when they rely on outside organizations to help, which can apply their own expertise in areas where and when they can. Today it's about food and water and how Cal OES works with California grocers to keep communities fed, boost their resilience, and shorten recovery time. That's all right now. So in the studio with me here at Cal OES in Mather, California, here at headquarters is Abby Browning, who is the chief of the Office of Private Sector NGO Coordination. Well, that's a mouthful there, Abby. Uh, also, uh, Tim James, who is the Senior Manager, Local Government Relations with the California Grocers Association. Folks, welcome. Appreciate you being here. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you. Hey, thanks. So um, I think this is something that maybe not a lot of people think about, is the relationship between government and the private sector when it comes to disaster response and disaster recoveries. Uh, in this particular case, uh, specifically, we're going to talk about the Ridgecrest earthquake, which just happened a couple of weeks ago, started on July 4th and then hit again on July 5th. Two biggies, 6.4 and a 7.1, if memory serves. Uh, and then amazingly, thousands of aftershocks, literally thousands that uh, to varying degrees had a, another impact on the community, if at the very least uh, an emotional one and um, kind of had people's nerves uh, rattling probably even through today. So, Abby, what I want to do is talk to you first a little bit about uh, what your role is here as Chief of the Office of Private Sector NGO Coordination. What is that specifically, and what is your primary sort of mission here? That is a very good question. You gotta, what... you're, you're trying to hold back that laugh. I can see it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. It, it is a very difficult thing to explain, um, but trying to boil it down into a nutshell, is we have liaisons for every different sector within uh, California. So we have the private sector, we have the NGOs, we have philanthropic organizations, community organizations, universities, so forth. And we have our external affairs, which does the initial touch. And then my office, we maintain those relationships. We make sure that everybody is playing nice in the sandbox together. Everybody's getting the information that they need because ultimately we all have the same goal. We want to serve the Californians that are affected by the disaster. You're sort of a diplomat. Absolutely. And so I just make those connections and I get the information that the private sector on the ground needs to, in order to operate, but also to keep them in business and keep them moving. Because if, if there's anything that we know in California, it's that we're very resilient and our economy is huge and it is very, very powerful and it affects the entire world. So it's very important to us to keep that moving and keep that going. Right. So Tim, uh, Tim James, who, uh, as the senior manager for local government relations with the California Grocers Association, what is your role? Um, is it uh, similar to what she's doing, but on the opposite end? What is it that you do specifically? Uh, in some ways, actually, the emergency response is my 
side gig, if okay. you will, as All part right. of my job. Um, but what we do as an industry um, and what we do with the association is uh, everything we can to make sure that grocery companies and their employees are prepared as possible for all sorts of different disasters, um, not only for their own employee and consumer safety, uh, but to uh, keep their operations up and running, which is we've seen through multiple uh, recent disasters that having those grocery stores stood back up and operating as soon as possible uh, is very good for both response and recovery long term uh, for those that might be displaced or, or you know need additional help. All right. So we here at Cal OES are continually pushing people uh, through our messaging to have a preparedness plan, have a family plan, uh, have your go kit, that whole thing. Obviously, you can't fit an entire grocery store into a backpack. But what you can do is realize that uh, grocery stores, even during disasters, play an extremely important role when it comes to the resiliency of a community. So this is, I think, what we're going to concentrate on today. Abby, tell me about how you and someone like Tim form this relationship, why it's important to have that relationship, and what each of you can get out of that. Well, as a state representative, I naturally gravitate towards these state associations. Uh, that way there is a, a broad range, a wide reach, if you will. And then I don't have to choose what stores to go to. I want to be able to go to all of the stores equally and help them equally. And so I go to the California Grocers Association, and then they can hit all of the grocery stores in California. And so it, it makes my job a little bit easier, but it also helps me um, navigate that industry a little bit better because I am certainly not an expert in the grocery industry or in any industry other than um, my own, which is government. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I utilize that during the disasters because I need to get information out fast and I need to gather information fast. That's my main role at the business operations center is leading that during a disaster is gathering that situational awareness for the, the industries on the ground for the businesses that are down there. What's open? What's not open? What do they need? How do we get them back opening? It's very important for people to have that stability, especially during like an earthquake your whole world is turned upside down. You, it, things that you normally know to be true are all of a sudden not true. Mm -hmm. You're shaking. The entire world is shaking. So one of the things that we want people to be able to count on is that they can go to their grocery store and buy food, something they do all the time. Right. And we saw on uh, YouTube and the news and other places that these grocery stores, like many of the businesses there, were were particularly hit hard. You saw pieces of the ceiling coming down. You saw shelves being knocked over, all of the, the products on the shelves being knocked over, broken if they were glass, that kind of thing. Um, so there was not only um, some visually superficial damage that can be easily repaired and, and replaced, but there may have been also some structural, some uh, pipes and mm -hmm. electrical, that kind of thing that needs to happen. And I think it's very interesting that the, the media... Uh, gravitates toward visualizing the grocery stores that go down. Mm -hmm. Why is it that we look at the... There's lots of stores that had effects. Lots of places that had very visual 
damage that you could see and all this stuff. But what we kept seeing over and over again was the grocery stores. Right. Tim, we what, see the food. Yeah, absolutely. Tim, what about the damage? What did you hear from the Ridgecrest area, whether it was Ridgecrest or Toronto, whatever it was, what did you hear? Well, to Abby's last point, I think everybody likes to see a big aisle full of wine bottles spilled over it, just something you don't see normally yeah, anyways. Yeah. <clears throat> um, we did see some damage in stores. There was a store too that had some structural damage, uh, definitely some product off the shelf uh, type thing. Things. Um, but nothing that, uh, luckily in this earthquake, that was uh, so extreme that, that we had short stores shut down for good. a long period of time. Um, but I think Abby also brings up you know some very good points about thinking about the grocery industry in regards to emergency response. Um, I think there's kind of three components to that. The first one being we're sort of a mini warehouse in every neighborhood. Um, so we do have a certain amount of needed supplies uh, when the disasters do happen. Um, the other thing to think about is we have very, very large distribution centers all throughout the state. Each company has their own where they're stockpiling large amounts of food, water, uh, other different resources. I think the other thing, and this is almost even most important, um, is when you have these disaster scenarios, people start thinking about how do we start moving large amounts of water, food, different supplies. We do that as an industry on a daily basis. We wake up every morning, we move a lot of food and a lot of water in and out of areas. So that's something we know how to do very, very well. We're very good at it. We're very efficient at it because we you know, do it as a business model. Um, and so that's where I think you start to get some of those advantages with the partnership between the government response as the first responders and, and taking that larger view. And then the grocery industry is sort of the, these initial responders because we're there on the ground and we can uh, activate very, very quickly because we're already up and running as we are every day. Right. So Abby and Tim, give me an idea then. Give me a real world scenario, something how the two of you identified one or two problems and you solve that problem based on your relationship. Well, uh, during the earthquake, uh, we got a call. Uh, we had the earthquake, the 6.4, I believe it was. And we were activated and we were working and having uh, conversations back and forth. Everything was good. Uh, but then on the 5th, that's when the big one hit the 7.1. And I, like everybody else at Calavias, immediately comes into the office, and I'm sitting there with the uh, unified coordination group with the director of Calavias and several of the governor's uh, cabinet members, and one of the first things they asked is, are the grocery stores open? They want to know. I was able to call Tim in the middle of the night. Are the grocery stores <laughs> open? And because we had that relationship, I was able to get that information. The next morning uh, when the governor was here for the briefing, one of the specific things he asked me, are the grocery stores open? And thanks to the Grocers Association, their relationships, I was able to say, yes, there are four main grocery stores. These are the ones that are open. One of them has some structural damage that they're expecting Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And um, then he was able to take that information, use it, among other information, to comfort and ensure the people of Ridgecrest, Kern County, San Bernardino County, that we are recovering and moving forward. We're not letting this go. The very first thing, the staple that you need, it is open, and we are willing to do what we need to do to help the grocery stores keep open. Okay. 
Yeah, no, that's, I think Ridgecrest is a <clears throat> great example of uh, one of those scenarios where we had stores immediately responding uh, to get back up and, and running. Uh, luckily in that scenario, their power and water and, and certain infrastructure wasn't overly affected. Um, so they were able to do that very quickly. Um, I think there's also been some other recent examples, uh, the Malibu fires of last year, the campfire of last year. Um, one of the things, especially when we have evacuations, um, so we've got to leave the store. Um, we've got fresh products in there. We've got frozen refrigerated products in there. Um, those will only last so long without refrigeration and they start to go bad. And if, right. if it gets too bad, then we have to shut down the store and you're talking weeks before reopening. Time is of the essence. Time yeah. is of the essence. So where we can and when it's safe to do so, we've worked a lot with uh, OES and uh, all the other state departments to see if we can get a truck in there and pull out that frozen and refrigerated food, donate it right. so that it can start being used, but that also saves the store long-term. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of scenarios like that. And a lot of what's most helpful for us is transportation, knowing when we can get to stores to get things out of there, put things in there to stand back up so that we're staying a little bit ahead of the curve of the um, constituents, the consumers coming in and out and wanting those supplies. So whether it was uh, the Malibu fire uh, you know, Ventura or whether it was Ridgecrest, what did you say to Abby? How did you rely on her to help you and your constituents? Yeah, I think the, 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 the value for us and what's very important is the level of information we can get. Okay. Um, OES does a very, very good job of capturing the chaos distilling it down into very usable information. And then we get that information from Abby and her team uh, in a way that we know if a certain road's open or if a certain road's closed, or can we, do we have power, do we not have power, when certain things might be restored. And that allows us to then use our expertise as folks that you know provide food, move food uh, on a daily basis to figure out how to do that, whether we've got to go the long way around, right. whether we need to wait, whether we need to speed up, slow down. Um, and that's crucial. And, and that's, I think what we spend a lot of our time doing is sort of that intricate dance of how can we um, get into oper operate our stores as best as possible within still being safe. So, so is this something that you, um, when you go to a an association meeting or it's an annual conference of some kind, do you guys talk about this proactively? Is disaster uh, communication and partnerships like this? Is that something that's uh, talked about? Absolutely. And with the partnership and the MOU agreement we have with OES through the Business Operations Center, uh, as an industry, we've started to focus on it more and more. Um, I think also the fact that we're having disasters uh, that impact uh, more people uh, have also uh, pushed us to do that. So uh, we have developed emergency management guides uh, for stores on how they can prepare themselves and their employees for uh, the immediate disaster. But we often talk about um, what our responses look like, what the partnerships we need to have before disasters happen so we can get that uh, information uh, we have going in. We try to keep in touch with our folks at the local level, FEMA level, obviously, but really OES is kind of the heart and soul of uh, our ability to uh, get the knowledge so that we can we can respond in, in appropriate ways and respond quickly, uh, like the example in Ridgecrest. Right. So I assume that you each have each other 
on speed dial, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the other things that I wanted to mention that uh, Tim has not uh, discussed yet is uh, the amount of generosity of the grocers in California and what they do to give back to the communities that they're in and the communities that are surrounding them. And they are always first up. If, if I need something, a perfect example was during um, this recovery of the Ridgecrest, one of the schools had some uh, structural issues. And so their refrigeration unit could not be uh, counted upon. And this, even though school is out, they still have their nutritional program. Mm. And so they have lunches every day for underserved, underprivileged uh students in wow. the area that need to come in. Um, but they were not able to continue that because of this refrigeration problem. Well, through Cal OES and through our um, contacts with DGS, we were trying to find a solution and trying to work through this. But as you know, government sometimes takes a little bit longer than yeah. it, it needs to be. Right. And so they came to me and said, can the grocers help? Can somebody help? And I called Tim and I said, this might be coming to you. We're trying to find a solution for us. I, so just start thinking about it. And he called me back within like 20 minutes and said, I have a refrigerated truck if you need it. Oh, wow. And for how many days do you need it? That kind of thing. So they're, they're very quick to assess and to help us when, when we need it. And they're always willing to donate and to, to help the communities that are affected. That's incredible. I, I don't think people realize that, you know, one refrigeration truck probably made a huge difference in a secondary or tertiary way that to these kids who depend on these, these, this mm -hmm. food program, mm -hmm. can you imagine? I mean, if you're one of these kids who relies on that, that lunch program, even during the summer, and all of a sudden now they say, sorry, we can't do that. What happens now? Well, you bring in that truck and now all of a sudden these kids that maybe for a day or two didn't have a lunch, now they do. Right. They're back on track and they've, they've got a, well, full tummy, you know, and and unfortunately, uh, in in the the day that we live in, is that sometimes that's the only meal those kids get. I know, and from what I understand, and I have not seen it myself, of course, but sometimes parents come in and eat mm. as well, and they of course they don't turn them away, mm. and it's a it's a nutrition program run by the state, so they get the adequate nutrition for the day, right. and it was just very important to us that that did not stop. At all, and while we were able to find a solution through the state, and it would be a more permanent solution, the Grocers Association stepped up immediately to help us with that situation, uh, fill that gap. I think this is a terrific enlightenment. I'm learning things here that I really hadn't thought about, but uh, it's nice to know that that businesses who are, you know, let's face it, they're in it to make a profit, just like any other business in California. But at the same time, when you're when you're making when you're making um, a good profit, you give back to the community in which you serve, and that is, I think, one of the big benefits of you know the society that we live in. But also uh, the generosity between the partnerships, how that is um, fostered. Yeah, and thank you, Abby. I appreciate you mentioning the generosity and. Uh, I'm not as a grocer myself. I work with them and for them, but uh, I've been impressed with uh, how they'll respond and with the level of uh, generosity. And um, 
that's partially because when we're talking about these communities that are affected by these disasters, um, that's part of their family. That's where their employees live. That's mm-hmm. where their customers live. Um, I think, you know, we all have our affinity for our local stores and kind of get to know our checkers and you that bet. kind of thing. So it, it, it really is a, is a, is a family response. And, um, Sometimes even the generosity of the grocery industry can become a little bit of a challenge. And uh, years and years ago, uh, with the uh, large uh, fires in San Diego, and that's before I think we really had this relationship fully built out with OES, um, some of that generosity was actually causing some challenges and problems. Um, And that random calls were coming in from different places. We need this water here, this food here, this. And we were moving so fast, folks weren't expecting us. And we were actually kind of creating some log jams and creating a little bit more of a problem. What do you do with these semi trucks full of water? Yeah. We just, you know, we show up with water and holy heck, we weren't expecting it now. You know, where do we, you know, where do we go with this? And are we getting to the right place? And is it the right amount and the right, uh, you know, especially. And that's what what Cal OES helps do is coordinate all that stuff. And that's where I think the value of our response has been fine tuned. And because of that become so much more impactful Mm. because of relying on the expertise of Cal OES and what you all do to let us know, here's where we need you. Here's where we don't need you. Here's the timing, the setup, the whole scenarios with that. Instead of us just start driving in trucks of products that may not be appropriate, may not be, you know, necessary at that time kind of thing. And I think that's been the value we've seen is that we can focus better and I think we have a greater impact for those affected because of the information sharing, because of the relationship, because of those, you know, phone calls and emails at the middle of the night. We both kind of jump up and grab yeah. it and say, what do you need? What do you want? What do you need, Abby? I'm here for you. This is pretty much <laughs> what it things. is. Hello? Like, <laughs> you hear the phone It must be for. bad. Abby's calling in yeah, the middle of the sweet. night. <laughs> but one of the, one of the uh, another good thing about the relationship with the association and the state level is that we have a, a series of checks in place. And so uh, I don't like to ask for donations unless they're absolutely needed. Um, I prefer that the state provide those uh, essentials and that the donations can go directly to survivors and uh, what a company wants. Because like you said, bottom line is that it's a business. They're making money. So I don't want to ask them to give away stuff all the time. Um, And so I fully trust Tim and his team over at the California Grocers Association to tell me that that's not appropriate. Don't ask us that. And to be that secondary check so I'm not pushing the limit. Right. Because as a government, I don't want to seem heavy-handed right. asking, oh, your government wants you to do this, and I, I don't want to do that. And so it's a very valuable check in place there. So we do not um, have all those calls coming in and coming out. And I, when it, when people call me from the, uh, local level or the different emergency managers out there, I can say, yeah, I'm not asking that. That's, that's a ridiculous ask. I I will not ask that. And then I can help them find a different solution. But because of the business operations center and the relationship between the, the grocers association, we have that power to be able to coordinate and organize a little bit better. I'll just add, I, I think we really appreciate the the hard work that OES does, you know, from the bottom to the top. Uh, that helps us 
as grocers operate in our communities better, uh, be more responsive when disasters uh, do happen, and make sure that we're not wasting energy or resources uh, when it's important so that we stay focused. Uh, we're doing the best we can uh, when we can. Um, and uh, we look forward to continuing this uh, throughout, uh, throughout time and as California faces more, uh, more challenges. Well, this has been enlightening for me, and I hope uh, for you folks who are listening out there, uh, you learned a little something. And um, the next time a disaster hits, maybe you'll you'll think about, you know, just how important partnerships are, and how they can make things happen when others can't, and possibly make them more efficient and reduce, you know, waste at the same time, wasted resources, wasted manpower, and of course wasted money. So we certainly don't want that to happen. I want to thank Abby Browning, who is the chief of the Office of Private Sector NGO Coordination here at Cal OES, as well as Tim James, the Senior Manager of Local Government Relations with the California Grocers Association. Thanks to both of you for sitting in and taking the time out of your day to tell your stories and to help people understand the relationship between state government and the private sector. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right, if you'd like more information about Abby and her work, as well as Tim and the California Grocers Association, go to oesnews.com and find this podcast. There we'll have links, photos, and more in the notes section. And thanks to you for tuning in. We'd love for you to subscribe to All Hazards on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions or ideas, feel free to send me an email to questions at caloes.ca.gov. For everyone in the Cal OES Office of Public Information, I'm Sean Boyd. Take care and be safe. You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links. And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook. And let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs>